You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Typically when a song's being sung like that, especially on a Sunday night service, I'm sitting there, I'm getting my heart filled, and I'm ready right after that to jump up and preach, which is what I did last Sunday night. And I had every intention, it was the strong desire of my heart to have Brother Rutland get up and share uh, how the first service go last Sunday, and um, went right past that. And um, so I really apologize for that. I mean, I really wanted our church to hear how the first service went, and I believe you've probably been sharing. Come on up here. He's going to share just a little bit about how today went, and then he's got some other things he wants to share with us um, by way of being able to help. So, Brother Ruckman, give us a little update, and then maybe a, an announcement or two here, okay? All right. Well, it's good to be here tonight. And he had told me, he said, if I forget tonight, you stand up and you start walking to the front, and I command you to do this. And I said, I'm like, man, I'm not going to stand up and just walk down there if he's preaching, Amen. But uh, anyhow, that was a good song. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Amen. Are you saved? Amen. Raise your right hand, everyone. Amen. If you're saved, raise your right hand and say hallelujah. Man, God, God, God appreciated that. I can tell you that right now. Amen. All right. He inhabits the praises of his people. So we're thankful to be here tonight. We had a good day. And uh, uh, Wednesday night, I was able to uh, just give folks an update on our very first service last week. We had 18 folks last week, 17 African immigrants. And some folks may stop and say, well, you know, that's not that many people. Um, for us, that's a lot of people. Uh, that's 18 more than we had the Sunday before. Amen. And uh, the fact of the matter is I, I worked in Hove in South Dakota planning a church for five years before we had 18 people in a service. Amen. And uh, so we were very excited last week to have 18. Uh, today, we didn't have all of the same folks that were here last uh, Sunday, but we had 17 was able to use our church van for the first time, amen, and uh, bring folks in, and uh, so, so we thank the Lord. Uh, we preached out there. We just set everything up in the fellowship hall. Uh, we had a wonderful time preaching. Angie takes the kids over and does a class with the kids while I preach to the adults, and uh, everybody uh, was very receptive today of the preaching. I mean, I'm, I mean, they were really into it, and I started getting a little nervous because we had folks, if I wished I could have had a camera outside with, with the audio recorder to, so that you all could hear people talking on the way out. Just with 17 or 18 people, the, the, the different languages being spoken, I mean, I heard like three or four conversations going at the same time, and they could have been saying that preaching was terrible, and, and I wouldn't have known any better. Amen. I'd have said hallelujah. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, but uh, they, they, folks walked out making new friends, just excited meeting each other for the first time. Folks from northern Sudan, folks from south Sudan and Liberia today, and on the way home with the folks from uh, Sudan, I asked them, uh, because we, we give them Bibles as they come. Right now we have Bibles in English and Arabic. We have some tracts in uh, uh, another language for Filipino people that come. Amen. And uh, we haven't had any visitors yet, but we've met plenty of them as, 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 as we go out uh, door knocking. And uh, uh, so, uh, but these folks today got some Bibles. And on the way home, uh, the lady said, this will be good to have an English Bible. I can only read in Dinka. Uh, which is her language in, in uh, Sudan, and she said, so I'm trying to learn English, and I said, by the way, let me ask you a question. The preaching today, uh, you know, can you understand what I'm saying? Because I get a little bit excited when I preach, and as I'm preaching to these immigrants, I'm trying to slow up, and, uh, and he said, oh, no, pastor, 
well, you're coming back next week because you are excited when you preach. You remind us of preachers in Africa. And I said, well, praise the Lord. Amen. Some of the whitest African you ever saw. Amen. And uh, we're having a good time here with the services. And thank you again so much for being our sending church, our supporting church, praying for us and allowing us to use the facilities here. Uh, so the announcements I want to give. Uh, this week we have a group coming from Manhattan, Kansas. It's another supporting church of ours. They'll be bringing 16 folks. I think 11 get in Wednesday, and then another seven, or excuse me, another six or seven on on Thursday. So 18 folks, and uh, so we're going to be knocking doors uh, Wednesday evening while y'all in church. We're actually going to have a group out knocking doors uh, and trying to get folks to come in for our Thursday evening prayer and Bible study. Then Thursday we're going to be doing that again. Friday we're going to take them all over. It's going to be a long day. We're going all the way to Mount Rushmore and back because they want to see Mount Rushmore. Uh, and and uh, so Saturday we're going to be knocking doors again all day. And uh, so uh, if, if, if any, and I know we got the men's retreat and the ladies retreat and if nobody can help, that is fine. Uh, but my wife uh, just uh, put it out there that if anybody would like to help uh, with uh, just supplying some food, uh, we're going to be feeding this group Wednesday and then Thursday and then Saturday. And, um, and you could certainly talk to my wife after the service. There's no sign-up sheet. You just got to just talk to her. Amen. And uh, she'll get it all arranged. I was going to stand up here with a list. And I mean, I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. Just talk to her because if it goes through me to you, it'll get messed up. All right. So um, and then next Sunday, uh, we're having a meal for our church, and I, so, so, uh, so I've, I've already talked to the folks that were here today and some of the folks that were here last week, and I told them, look, we, we got this group from Kansas coming after our service next Sunday afternoon. We're going to have a meal, feed them, but we're going to feed those that are here as well. So I've talked to the Africans about making African dishes, and they are in general excited about that, but we'll need much more uh, as far as that goes uh, next Sunday. So if anybody could talk to Angie. Again, if you don't, if you can't help, that's fine. Angie, she'll get it. But she's just, uh, so many folks have offered in the past, if you need help with anything, let us know. So we're just putting it out there. Uh, it'd be a great help to Angie. And it'll be a help to my stomach. Amen. And uh, uh, so we would really appreciate any help that y'all uh, could do in that regard. And if you come in next Sunday evening and it smells really good in here, you'll know why. Amen. All right. Thank you very much, preacher. Test, test, test. All right, great. Well, that's exciting. Let me tell you, one of the things that I know the African people really enjoy is a soup that they make. I'm, I'm not kidding when I say this. I'm sincere. So if we could get five or six people to do this, they really like chicken foot soup. There's the ingredients right there. I've told you everything. Chicken foot soup. Seriously. And Brother Ruckman just loves that. The whole thing. <laughs> toenails and all. I mean, it's toenails and all, isn't it? Uh, uh, bones, skin, and everything else chickens run through. But whatever, whatever you, however you want to make it, uh, I'm sure they would appreciate that. And I'm just really kidding about that. Please nobody try that. But if you do, Brother Ruckman would not complain. Maybe they wouldn't either. Amen. They did, not even all of them really enjoy it. I understand. Some of them really, really enjoy that. So let's try to be a help to them. Let's see if we can be a blessing. Do you have a feel for how many you're talking about, uh, you're having to prepare for? So up to 40 or 50. All right, so they could use some help, guys. Let's pitch in and see what we can do to be a blessing. 
So uh, make sure you see Angie about that. All right. Um, so this morning's message was about the grace of God that has been bestowed upon the, uh, the Gentiles, and I thank the Lord for that. I, I appreciate what Brother Ruckman did just a moment ago, uh, but I was sitting down there and couldn't see. But how many of you know without a doubt, please listen carefully, that if the rapture happened tonight, the trumpet sounded, and God called his children to go home to be with him, how many have no doubt that you're saved and on your way to heaven uh, let's see your hand. Praise the Lord. Isn't that good to know? That's just a real blessing. Uh, if there's a question in your mind about that, uh, don't panic. Uh, that's been a question in every one of our minds at one time or another. Uh, uncertain about our salvation. We've all sat there at one time or another and heard a message either preached from a pulpit or some friend or somebody had talked to you and, and uh, possibly, you know, there were questions in your heart and mind. And man, I was raised in a Christian home, strong Christian home. The gospel was preached almost every service that I attended, and it took me nine years before I realized that was about me, that I was the one that was lost, and that I was the one that needed to be saved, and not all these other people that the preacher was preaching to. And man, when that hit me that night, it, it hit me hard, and I, I did not get saved that night. Went home and talked to my mom and dad about it. I could tell God was talking to my heart. And came back that next night, and I could not wait for that invitation to take place. And I hit the altar and was saved uh, that night. Nine years old, and I'll never forget that. Tonight I want to preach a, a message. We're still in the book of Joshua. I'm trying to highlight some of these events in Joshua's life. And while this does not necessarily depict or show necessarily... Um, how God worked tremendously through the life of Joshua. It does give a picture in the Old Testament of the grace of God that would yet to be bestowed on Calvary one day down the road. Please listen to me tonight. If there's question in your heart or mind about your salvation tonight, honestly, I believe in the passage we'll be reading tonight. God might be able to share with you and show you things about your own heart that you need to know about Christ and your need of a Savior as well. So uh, to some of us, especially if you're a Sunday school teacher, if you've ever preached, many of us in here have preached messages, I'll be surprised if you haven't somewhere along the way preached a message about uh, the cities of refuge in the Old Testament and what they were for and how, you know, the murderer, somebody who accidentally killed somebody, could run and hide and find refuge in one of these cities, and that's what uh, this passage will be about tonight, and I'm asking you, please listen very carefully. If you're already saved tonight, you'll find reason to rejoice in the Lord as we read about this and be reminded of how we were nudged to run to that city of refuge and how we found uh, the, the refuge in the Lord Jesus Christ and so forth. It'll be a time for us to be able to praise God. If you're not saved tonight, let God speak to your heart about where you might be between you and Him uh, as, as far as your own salvation. So, a picture of God's grace in the Old Testament. All right, Joshua chapter 20. Nine brief verses. Give me your attention. I don't think I'll be real long tonight. And I uh, trust and pray God will speak to our hearts. 
Joshua 20. The Lord also spake unto Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint out for you cities of refuge, whereof I spake unto you by the hand of Moses. Back in the book of Deuteronomy. That the slayer, now notice who he's talking about here, the slayer that killeth any person unawares and unwittingly. It was all by accident and without any intention whatsoever. The Bible talks about that. So speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint out for you cities of refuge, whereof I spake to you by the hand of Moses, that the slayer that killeth any person unawares and unwittingly may flee thither, and they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. And when he that doth flee unto one of those cities shall stand at the entering of the gate of the city and shall declare his cause in the ears of the elders of that city, they shall take him into the city unto them and notice what they're to do, to give him a place that he may dwell among them. And if the avenger of blood, somebody's after him now, someone uh, is going to uh, have vengeance on the death of their loved one. So this individual, when he finds out that his loved one has been slain, he's going to chase him, try to kill him. Verse 5, And if the avenger of blood pursue after him, then they shall not deliver the slayer up into his hand, because he smote his neighbor, there's the word again, unwittingly, and hated him not before time. And he shall dwell in that city until he stand before the congregation for judgment. And until the death of the high priest. Um, You folks that like to underline and make note of specific things, uh, that's a real big deal in verse 6, the death of the high priest. Okay? And until the death of the high priest. That uh, shall be in those days. Then shall the slayer return and come unto his own city and unto his own house, unto the city from whence he fled. In other words, once the uh, congregation has judged him, and then, and found to be innocent, and then also once the high priest who was uh, ministering in that day, when he died, and it may be many years uh, in some cases, in some cases maybe the, the person who had accidentally killed someone may die before the high priest, depending on the age of either one of them, But once the high priest had died, then that man who was hiding uh, or taking refuge in one of those cities of refuge, he could then go back home and take up his residence back there. Look in verse 7. And they appointed, here they are, Kedesh in Galilee in Mount Naphtali, and Shechem in Mount Ephraim, and Kerjath Arba, which is Hebron, in the mountain of Judah, And on the other side, Jordan, by Jericho eastward, they assigned Bezer in the wilderness upon the plain out of the tribe of Reuben, and Ramoth in Gilead out of the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Bashan out of the tribe of Manasseh. Now, guys, if you were alive during that time, and if you were being told that if you accidentally uh, killed somebody, there's an avenger of blood that can come after you, and and he's after, what's, what's he after? He wants blood. And if he can get to you, 
he can rightfully take your life um, unless you make it into one of these cities of refuge. If I had been living during that time and knowing how accident-prone I can be, I would want to know exactly where all of those cities were that he just named. And not all six of them necessarily. Guess which one I want to know about? The one that's closest to me. Absolutely. And once I hear the name of that city, buddy, I've got it logged in my head. I want to know where to run when I get into trouble or when I become blood guilty and I'm liable to be slain. I want to know where that closest place would be. Anybody else say amen to that? I, I got to find a place to hide. In verse 9, these were the cities appointed for all the children of Israel and for the stranger that sojourneth among them, that whosoever killeth any person at unawares might flee thither and not die by the hand of the avenger of blood until he stood before the congregation. Some kind of righteous judgment was able to be passed down upon him to determine if he did it by mistake or if he was truly a murderer trying to on purpose kill somebody. Uh, so if he had killed somebody on purpose, his life was to be taken without doubt. There's no question about it. If they find out it was not a, uh, uh, intentional, it was all a mistake, then he could stay in that city of refuge. When could he go home? After what? Death of the high priest. So bear that in mind as we uh, make our way into the message. Let's pray first. God, I want to thank you tonight that I heard this passage many times as a child and did not fully understand it until I was of age and could see that I was that guilty one and I needed a place to run and hide and I'm so thankful for my high priest who died in my place. And I pray tonight that the truth of this passage would ring in our hearts and minds once again. Remind us once again, Lord, of the mercy of God and uh, your forgiveness and uh, the ability to be saved even tonight if we don't know Christ as Savior. Please, Heavenly Father, speak to that soul tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So a picture of God's grace here in uh, the Old Testament. <clears throat> I was thinking of examples of uh, maybe how we could probably relate this to some event to give you an idea. And God brought to mind a friend of mine. His name is Dwayne Hampton. And um, he and I were very close friends in high school. Um, we... Um, kind of hung out together, him and a couple of other buddies did, through our sophomore, junior years, and I don't remember what happened in our senior year, but we were uh, not able to see each other so much, and I don't remember at what age this happened to Dwayne Hampton, but I will never forget what did happen, and one of my other close friends, who was very close to Dwayne, told me this story um, a few years later. And he told me that Dwayne was having some issues um, in his own personal life. I said, what's going on? And he said, well, he's, he's had trouble for weeks, maybe months. And I said, well, what kind of trouble is Dwayne having? He's always this happy-go-lucky kid, and what's, what's wrong? And he said, well, 
And uh, again, I don't remember the whens these happened in, the re in relation to the story being uh, related to me, when it happened necessarily, but Dwayne had um, gotten off the, the school bus and pulled up to his house, and there were four or five houses in this particular area that the kids would just jump off and run to their houses, and, uh, and that had happened on this particular day. And um, so once all the kids were out and had run off to their houses, the bus driver took off and pulled ahead, not realizing one of the little kids had lingered on the front of the bus and had just then taken off to run across in front of the bus. And horror of horrors, that bus driver drove over that little child. And um, Dwayne saw it happen. I don't remember if Dwayne was on the bus and had gotten off and was going to the house, or I, I can't even remember maybe if we had graduated at that point and he was out of school possibly and had looked out watching for his brother, sisters, or neighborhood kids as they were running to the houses, but he saw it happen. And uh, the bus driver did not even know it had happened the way it sounds and had pulled on ahead before he realized what had happened. Dwayne saw it and came running out and um, the little child, it was, it was uh, he ended up dying, but Dwayne was doing everything he could to try to keep that little child alive. CPR, mouth-to-mouth uh, -mouth resuscitation, anything he'd ever heard he tried uh, to keep the little one alive, and the little child had died there in his arms while he was trying to keep the child alive. I don't know who I would not want to be the most. I one of the ones I would just pray and beg that it would never happen to is me being the driver. How could you face that? And I know maybe possibly you know of somebody who has um, unwittingly, uh, unknowingly, uh, accidentally taken the life of somebody and then even for it to be the life of a little child. I, I was uh, looking up some other things and noticing how many people's lives have been taken because of distracted driving and swerving over and, and uh, not, not on purpose by any means, but somebody's life was taken. And I, I've heard those terms involuntary, what's the next word you hear all the time? Manslaughter. Uh, did not mean to, but somebody else's life was taken. Now here's the truth of the matter. I know this with all my heart that that person would have done anything in their power and might to have prevented what happened. They would not have wanted to have taken the life of a little child. Who, of all people, or, or anybody else's life, who would want to do that uh, in their right mind? And yet, here's, listen, here's the inescapable fact. They had taken somebody else's life, and it was a most difficult moment. So God puts a chapter in the Bible, a couple of them actually, that describes um, what do you do in a case like this. Obviously, we live in a, in a different day and age, but uh, if you would want to read a little more about this, these cities of refuge, I would have you to go home tonight and read Numbers 35. It gives great detail about what to do and how to do and so forth about these cities of refuge. I was reading it tonight before I came to church. I think you might find it interesting. But in Numbers 35, God had instructed Moses earlier <clears throat> to set up these 
six different cities of refuge that you and I just read about here tonight. They were to be set up for the manslayer, the person who had taken the life of somebody else. There, to, there were to be three apiece on each side of the Jordan River where the tribes of Israel were to be found. And God knew that, guys, he knew that being human like we are, that we were going to have deadly accidents. God knew that. Uh, God saw that sin had entered into our lives and that these kinds of things were just going to happen. So he prepared Israel for what to do once it did happen and they could run to this city of refuge and, and find a place to hide and be safe from, listen, the avenger of blood. Let me ask you again. What was the avenger of blood after? It's a very simple question. He wanted blood. He wanted the life of that other man that had done this. So, these cities, again, they were spread out to be able to give uh, most people the easiest access to these cities, and no one would have to travel any greater distance than any others would uh, for the most part. They were equidistant to uh, all the other people in the areas as much as possible. But as I said to you before, I promise you this, my eyeballs are going to be looking for the closest one. And I'm going to lock that in on my radar and find out where could I run if something would ever happen to me like that. So if a man accidentally killed someone, the nearest relative to the deceased, or to the man that was killed, could legally take the life of the manslayer the man that had killed his relative. But if the manslayer, I've already been saying this, could get to one of these cities of refuge before this revenger of blood found him, he could plead his case, and if it be found that he killed the person innocently or unintentionally, he was permitted then to live in that city till the death of the high priest in that day. So he was safe, but not with his family. I mean, I, I can't imagine how that would be. I, I've not read anything uh, at this point, and if, I'm, uh, if you know about this, I'd love to see where it's at, that his family gets to come and live with him. I've not read that necessarily. But he is uh, he's finally safe in that city of refuge. And as I have said earlier, once the high priest then died, the man could then leave the city of refuge and go back to his own home and be restored to all the rights and privileges that he had had before. But he, while he's gone, somebody else probably assumed all of his benefits and so forth. But once he got back home, he was allowed to rightfully be in possession of those things. So, number one tonight, guys, uh, let's see the grace of God at work in uh, this passage of Scripture tonight. Bad news. And here's what everybody needs to know and understand. Please, could we all look up here and listen to what I want to say? Everybody listening. Everybody here is a murderer. That's the bad news. Um, you got your Bibles there. Let's go backwards a couple places. How about Romans chapter 5? You want to hold your place here. Go backwards to Romans. I want you all to see this now. Romans chapter 5. Romans 5. Anybody know where I might be going there in Romans chapter 5? Verse 
Call out which one you might think. Romans 5, drop down to verse 12, and I want us to read this verse out loud together. Everybody there? Let's, let's hear your voice good and strong. Romans 5, 12, the Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Everybody look up here now again. How many people in this room tonight have sinned? All. Everybody has sinned. So who all has death passed upon in this room tonight? Every one of us. Death has passed upon us. Now go back to James chapter 2. After that big book of Hebrews. Go back to James chapter 2, and drop down into verse 10. Notice what God says here in, in James 2 and verse 10. Look at it. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, what does it say after that? He is guilty of what? All. Does that mean I'm guilty then of even murder? Uh, lying, cheating, stealing. Uh, am I guilty of all those things? Well, when you break one point of the law, here's the deal, you broke the whole law and you're guilty of it all. And so <laughs> we're born and conceived in sin. And so every one of us here tonight are sinners before God. And in that sense, then you could understand that uh, I, I am a murderer in the eyes of God amongst the thousand other things that could be said about me. And so again, since we've all sinned, we're all guilty of that sin of murder uh, in the sense that I've taken the life of somebody like they did here in, in the Old Testament. And not only that, when mankind sinned in the Garden of Eden, we lost all rights and privileges to that sweet fellowship that man once had in the Garden of Eden. And I mean Adam and Eve had... I can't even imagine the kind of fellowship they had and what it must have been like to be in the Garden of Eden and uh, to have all that beauty around you and then to have God walking with you in the cool of the night. God would walk and talk with them and they lost all the rights and the privileges that they had when they sinned in the Garden of Eden. More bad news coming up. Guess what? Now that I'm the murderer, now that you're the murderer... The avenger of blood is now on your trail and is after you. I promise you this tonight, that avenger of blood will not stop till he makes it to your, to your household. Exactly who is this avenger of blood? Who has the right to take our lives if we don't reach that city of refuge where the high priest is? Who is this that has the right to take my life? Somebody says, well, it's got to be the devil. And he certainly wants us dead, I will tell you that tonight. And everything that he, he uh, says and does is deemed evil and wrong, without doubt. But I don't believe tonight that's the picture of who the avenger of blood really is. Guess who it is that demands blood from somebody that's guilty? I believe the avenger of blood is the justice of God. God himself demands that your sin be paid for in blood and uh, that avenger of blood is on your trail and i'm just telling you tonight guys as we are born into this world as sinners before god 
and guilty of every sin in the world, even the, even the sin of murder, that avenger of blood is after you, friend, until you get to where the high priest is. And God is after blood. And he will not stop until the justice, the righteous demands of a holy God are finally met concerning you and your life. God is after you for that. The Bible is very clear that the wages of sin is what? Is death. And the soul that sinneth, it shall die without doubt. I'm so thankful I had a mom and dad that brought me to a church. You've heard me say the name Eddie Bates. If you don't remember that name by now, I want you to get him in your head. That little short preacher about this tall would stand behind this pulpit. Uh, Well, not here, but in Franklin, Franklin, Ohio, a little missionary Baptist temple. That little preacher would stand there and preach his heart out. He would just weep. And I remember as as a little boy watching him preach the word of God and, and reminding us over and over again that we're sinners and that we need a Savior and tell us what Jesus did for us on Calvary and, uh, and just would cry and beg for us to understand, you are the sinner. And I'd sit there and look around the church at all the sinners and say, yeah, they are. And they really need this. I didn't say those words exactly, but that was my attitude. Until God came tapping on my heart and the avenger of blood was knocking at my heart saying, I demand blood i am a righteous god you are the wages of your sin is death and if you died today friend and i realized i'd spend eternity in hell and i knew and understood that night when that evangelist was preaching uh uh, brother ovi was preaching that night it finally hit philip spencer square between the eyes i was the guilty one and i'm going to ask you tonight do you understand tonight are you listening every one of you here tonight You are guilty before God, and there is an avenger of blood. The righteous justice of God will be met in your life one way or another. And if you got to be the one to take care of that, friend, you're in a heap of trouble between you and God tonight. It's only a matter of time before He, the avenger of blood, catches up to us. Listen to me, and He always does. Nobody's ever escaped his eye and his grip in your life. A holy God cannot let sin go in anybody's life. He demands justice. Good news. We have been provided a city of refuge. (laughs) Praise God. Can anybody say amen to that? 33 years into his earthly life, wicked hands took Jesus Christ and led him to the place we know as Calvary, the place of the skull. And gathered all around the hillside, the avenger of blood, the justice of God, screamed for the death of every man. Hell that was prepared for the devil and his angels now was holding its mouth gaping wide open for the souls of common sinful man. And every human being stood guilty before uh, that all-righteous judge that day. But one man, standing in for all humanity, took the guilt of every man, my penalty that I deserved, the fact that I was a murderer and a liar and a thief and every other sin that could be applied to me. He took every sin of your life and put them upon himself and died on Calvary's tree that day. That day, the righteous demands of a holy God 
were met that day on Calvary. Please listen. Everything that the avenger of blood, the righteous justice of God, everything that it was looking for in my life, that it was after me about, my, my, own, uh, my own life, my death, uh, to, to have my sins judged righteously, all those demands were finally met in Jesus Christ, my high priest. And everything that you've ever done wrong, every sin that you've ever committed, everything that would make you guilty before God was placed upon Jesus Christ. And while the justice of God was screaming that uh, justice be met, (coughs) when Jesus Christ died and his blood was shed on Calvary that day, the avenger of blood got everything he had been after on that day. Praise the Lord. He took my place. He stepped in between. Jesus stepped in between me and this avenger of blood that was after me. And he placed Jesus Christ, the high priest, in front of me and showed me that if I would turn to this Savior and realize he died for my sins and and he took my place on Calvary and that he is my city of refuge, please listen to this, and Jesus Christ is our high priest. And as our high priest, he died for us. And he died like the Old Testament high priest would die. And once the Old Testament high priest died, that man was free and was able to go back home to all the rights and privileges that he had before. And even though I was just nine years old that night, and God knocked on the door of my heart, and I realized I was that guilty sinner, that Jesus had paid for all my sin, and my high priest had died in my place, and I could have liberty and freedom and forgiveness before God. I remember, and I didn't have all that straight in my head that night, but I just knew I needed a Savior. And when I hit that altar, man, I just cried out for whatever it was God had for me. And God saved my soul that day. Praise the Lord, the high priest died for me and he died for you. That's tremendous news. More good news tonight. Now, any sinner, anybody who even here tonight, please listen to me. Any person who recognizes I am guilty The way I was born into the world, I was conceived in sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. You come to realize I'm I'm a sinner before God. And the avenger of blood is on my trail. And unless I meet the high priest who died for me, I will have to be the one who God takes justice upon. And I will spend eternity in hell paying For my own sin debt. Do you hear that tonight, friend? If you don't have Jesus Christ as your Savior tonight, if you died tonight without Jesus, you'll spend eternity with the avenger of blood exacting justice upon your life forever and ever and ever until you come to know Him as your Savior. But every sinner who comes to Him tonight or at any point in your life will be forgiven. There is none who who he'll turn away from his city. Everybody is welcome to come to his city of refuge into his presence. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And if there's a soul here tonight, number one, 
who doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm going to tell you tonight, Jesus would love to save you tonight if you'd be willing to call upon him for that salvation. Number two, when's the last time you went to the high priest and said, thank you for what you did for me? Thank you while I was running and I didn't know where to get to to find safety and refuge. And everywhere I ever found in my life, I, I was always still miserable and still I, until I met Jesus Christ. And you came into my life and changed me inside out. When's the last time you just got on your knees and said, God, thank you for being my city of refuge. You're such a great God. I owe you my all. You know, it's one thing to hear about the city of refuge and to know about it in your head, but it's another to be able to run to that refuge and find new life in Jesus Christ. I'm asking you the most important question you'll ever be asked in your entire life or all the way down through eternity. Are you saved tonight? Without doubt, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? If it happened right now, all of us were to die or the rapture happened right now, do you know that you are saved tonight? And if not, I'm just telling you this evening, when we bow our heads, we're going to give an invitation and, and I would challenge you tonight, if God speaks to your heart about being saved, would you be willing to meet me at the front? And I would love to take God's word and show you how to know without doubt Christ is your personal Savior. When's the last time you thanked him for what he's done for you? I'm going to ask us if we could bow our heads tonight, our heads bowed and eyes closed as we go to the Lord in prayer. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.